Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Sunday, March 21st edition of Flyers Daily. we got a double double header for you in this episode. Uh, I had a chance to catch up with Steve Coates after the Flyers game last night. We'll have a quick conversation with Coatsy, and then Bill Meltzer will join us from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and we'll break down this game, what it means, what it means going forward. Uh, a 6-1 loss against the New York Islanders. Again, frustration just setting in. And again, I haven't had enough time to cool down. But um, I digress because... It, it, it's one of those games where the self-inflicted wound. I keep talking about self-inflicted wounds. Now, what are they in hockey? They they are turning over pucks as you're exiting your zone. They're throwing pucks into the middle of your ice in your D zone. It's not smart hockey. And look, there's mistakes that happen in sports all the time, but these are so repeated at this point. And I just want to go to Carter Hart real quick because, again, I'm seeing a lot of criticism of Hart. And it was after the first period in particular where they gave up four goals in the third period. They were down 4-1 after one. So the first goal, the power play goal by J.G. Pajot, Limblom blocks a shot. The puck squirts over to the other side of the ice where Pajot just skates right into it, wide open net, just easy. I mean, anybody could have put that in. And But look, you go, oh, that's a bad bounce, that's bad puck luck, and that's true. But why you ended up on the penalty kill in the first place is not bad luck. That's just an overly aggressive play early in a hockey game by Travis Konechny. Now, he had the right intentions, but he got the hook in there, and the Flyers were on the penalty kill, and that's how the goal happens. The second one, players just can't find the puck. There's five players collapse around the blue paint, can't find the puck. Eventually, it ends up on the stick of Jordan Eberle. He roofs it on Hart, who made a save just prior to that to even keep the play alive on a total scramble in front of a in front of the net with a bouncing puck. The third one, he's going to want back the Casey Sezikis goal, the first one where he beats him clean off the wing. That came right off a turnover from Nate Prosser just inside the Flyers' blue line where the puck looked like it rolled on him. Uh, but that's a clean shot that and, – and Casey Sezikis is not Brett Hall. So that's one he's going to want. He looked like he was shaded maybe a little too much short side, gave him a little too much long side. Good shot, you know, just above 11 inches off the ice, which is just above the height of the pad and, and below the goal. So, good shot, but one that, you know, you expect your goaltender to make. And then the second Sezikis goal in the first period, you look at that one, and uh, Eric Gustin loses Sezikis out of the corner. First, the Del Cole's in front of the net, wide open, misses the opportunity. It ends up going to Sezikis all alone at the side of the net because the defenseman just lost his coverage. And this is just way too much frequency. And at this point, you know, with what they're trying to do from a defensive unit standpoint, I think we just have to come to the realization that any combination of what they have already in-house is not going to be the answer. How do you answer the question? Well, we'll talk about that with Steve Coates, and we'll talk about that with Bill Meltzer. But it's another frustrating loss. It's a 6-1 loss. And I don't know how the goaltender is supposed to regain his confidence and the form of his game playing behind what he's playing behind right now. Has he been perfect? Hell no. But he's made big saves in games, but it just piles up on him with with defensive breakdowns that are extraordinary. They're not just mild breakdowns. They're extraordinary breakdowns. So I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if the answer is to start making moves now for the sake of making moves. I don't think that's the answer. But I do know that what they currently have probably isn't going to fix this problem. 
So I, I don't know how Chuck Fletcher is going to handle this in season, but something needs to change because the coaching staff's not fools. They know what they're doing. They're delivering the right message, but the coaching staff can't go out and skate the shift. Can't go out and not turn over the puck and do the right things. And there's way too much of that right now. They haven't won back-to-back games in the month of March. In a month where they have more games than any other month. 17 total games in this month. And we're sitting here on the 21st, and they haven't won back-to-back games. They'll get a chance to get back at the Islanders coming up on Monday at the Wells Fargo Center. Hopefully it's far different than what we saw in that game last night. And to an extent, far different than what it was, at least in the third period of that game on Thursday. They were great in the first two periods of that game. And they coughed up a three-goal lead. Oscar Lindblom bailed them out. Oscar Lindblom had to fight in the game last night. All right, here's my conversation post-game with Flyers analyst on the radio, Steve Coates. How does this team start to rebuild something here as they just enter the second half of this season? Well, I would think that... I'm asking you a hard question here, by the way, and I understand You know what? I don't think it's a hard question. I think that if you look at that game tonight, I think you're talking about puck security. Yeah. I mean, puck security is the most important thing. I mean... Bottom line is if you have the puck more than the other team and you have more opportunities, the, the, the percentages of winning a hockey game is a lot greater if you're uh, as compared to them having the puck like the New York Islanders did all night. And then the quality opportunities and the, the opportunities they had on Carter Hart, uh, it, it just continued throughout the third period. And you can't cough the puck up. I mean, the decision-making was just abysmal for the Flyers in their own zone. And... You just keep, I mean, everybody was involved, including the goaltender. You know, I've always felt that you've got to keep the puck to the outside. As a goalie, you know that, that yeah. keep the puck to the outside. And you don't come back up the Protect middle. the house, it. right? Yeah. And the other thing is that I'm a true believer that the game is so fast now that the goalie's really got to be good with the puck and very smart with the puck because these guys are coming firing in so fast, they're, they're, they're going to catch you. And so I've always said, hey, listen, if that guy's not inside the – if he's not inside the the uh, top of the circle, then, hey, don't come out. And and that's the bottom line. When I mean, they're on you so quickly. If you're not decisive, you're dead. That's exactly right. So you've got to be really good at it. I mean, uh, unless you're not being pressured. Like the other game against the Rangers um, – where Kincaid, I mean, he carried and handled the puck about four times in a row because the Flyers didn't pressure the puck. So he had the opportunity to do that. But you've got to look up and you're going to see. Prosser did the very same thing. Tried to put the puck in between or try to up the up the uh, middle with the player standing right there. If you've got the winger on the boards and you see traffic, fire the puck around the wall. That puts the onus on the winger to be able to make the play. These simple things... Just keep the puck to the outside. If you're struggling, keep the puck to the outside. Simple as that. When in doubt, go wide, high off the glass, right? I mean, this is oh, complicated. Oh, well, that's the that's uh, that, uh, Roger Nielsen way. Roger Nielsen said, guess what? Just bang that puck off the glass and get it out. And then we'll figure out what to do once, once it gets in the neutral zone. I'm not too keen I like that because I've always believed that you want the defenseman to be able to move the puck up and get your forwards moving up in through the neutral zone and attacking the opponent's blue line. That's what the Islanders did. The Islanders do that. The Islanders have great defensemen to be able to to be able to move the puck and get their forwards moving. We see a lot of three on twos. The Flyers don't show a lot of three on twos right now because they're struggling to move the puck up and get them moving. 
Yeah, and they seem like they're constantly regrouping and not transitioning quick like opponents do in today's games. That, do you see that as they're well? They're just struggling at every aspect of the game. Yeah. I mean, they try. I mean, the first shift of the game, I said, wow. I mean, Giroux came out there with, with uh, Lindblom and Konechny, and they, they set the tone. I really thought they set the tone. On top of that, Andy Green picks up an interference call because they set the tone. Yeah. But then they get a power play, and they don't take advantage of it. And those are the things that make for a better game, is if you take advantage of the opportunities that you got because you created during a work ethic. And it just never happened, and they never built on it. And then it was a mistake, and then another one. And, oh, they got some bad breaks. I mean, there's no two ways about it. The two goals, one by Sezikis, and I believe the other one Pajot. by Pajot that hit traffic. And But you know what? You make your own breaks. I mean, yeah, You put yourself on the PK there with a bad penalty in the offensive zone by yeah. Travis Konechny. Yeah. So you just you just really have what can go wrong is going wrong right now. There's not one thing, forwards, defense, or goalie, are are not one of them is functional right now. So that tells you that you can only get better, and maybe they're just in a real bad slump right now. But boy, this has been a bad couple of days. Yeah, they haven't won back-to-back games, Coatsy, in the month of March. Now, th- this one is a tough question, but I know you can answer it. You, you played the game at a high level. You've been around this game a long time, and, and you know Elaine Vigneault. You know this coaching staff. They know what they're doing. They're telling these players to do the right thing, so where's the freaking disconnect? I, I can honestly tell you that I know that this is a very good coaching staff. Yep. Okay? So all you can do is give them the game plan. All you can do is tell them what you're going to see in the New York Islanders, what you need to be successful against the New York Islanders, and what you but have to do. they can't do it for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how would you like to stand behind that bench on Wednesday? How would you like to stand behind that bench tonight and have no ability to be able to do anything else but try to change the, 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 the rhythm of the game by changing your lines, changing personnel, doing anything you could to get something going. I mean, I thought his timeout in the first period was just perfect for the time period because all of a sudden, team, here they go again, and he figured, i got to stop this because he doesn't use his timeouts very often, not very often. But that was a timeout that was crucial at the time of the game saying, okay, we're X number of minutes into the first period. We're down 3 nothing. Let's stop with all the bull. Let's get out here and start playing the game. But they didn't feed off of it, and that's that's something to worry about. And the other thing is that bothers me is that Oscar Lindblom had to fight, yeah. and that that bothers me a little bit because yeah. we all know that Oscar Lindblom's not a fighter, but he's doing something to be able to pep his team up. Well, I don't think Oscar Lindblom should be that guy to do that. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Coatsy. And I guess it's just at this point it felt like one step forward after what was just an utterly embarrassing performance and a 9 nothing loss. Even though you blew the three-goal lead, somehow you dug in, and, and Oscar gets that that game-winning goal, and then you come back tonight, and this happens. It's I, I just uh, I'm left scratching my head. There, there. I mean, at this point, there probably needs to be some change. We're trying to find this these defensive combinations, but uh, I don't know that the ingredients are here to make a soup that tastes good with this defensive uh, with, with these players that they have right now. Well. <laughs> When you take a look at this team, it's basically the same team that was the best team in the National Hockey League this time last year prior to the COVID stoppage. So 
they come back, they go to the bubble, and they really never put it together again in the bubble. We're lucky to get by Montreal, got beat by the New York Islanders, and have never really played. I thought the first two periods the other night um, against the Islanders was the best two periods that they've played all year yeah. in, in this shortened season. That was a solid effort. They didn't allow anything going on in their own zone. Um, their positioning was great. Their, their, their second efforts in the offensive zone, everything they did was right. And then they fell a little bit apart there in the third period. We're fortunate enough to get that goal. But why can't you see that type of play here again tonight? Yeah, it's confounding. Well, I, the reason I wanted to talk to you, and I don't like to put you in this situation. The reason I wanted to talk to you because you've been around the game a long time. You've seen a lot. And I knew you'd have answers. Um, it, look, I don't like some of your answers. You know why I don't like them? Because, I ha- because they're correct. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? I, listen, you know, do teams go through things like this? Yes. Yeah. But this has been going on for too long. And yeah. uh, can you change things? Yeah. Uh, but how it's going to happen, that's why we have management. That's why we have uh, uh, all sorts of different things can happen to be able to, to shake the tree. But um, are we at that point right now? Maybe pretty close. Yeah, a lot of people certainly think they're beyond that point. Some people are saying, well, what's the point? And there's uh, varying degrees all thereof. Hey, Coatsy, thanks for doing this. Uh, We'll talk on Monday when the Flyers will have a chance to get back at it against the Islanders, this time back at the Wells Fargo Center. Thanks for doing this. Drive safe. My pleasure, Jason. Thanks to Steve Coach for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. And let's go right to him right now. You read his work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It's Bill Meltzer. And, Bill, how are you doing after that game tonight? Uh, not great, you know, a, a whole lot of two familiar issues, digging a hole for themselves, uh, a parade of turnovers. Tonight, they had 20 giveaways plus four takeaways by the Islanders. I mean, 24 turnovers in a 60-minute game is just, just beyond brutal. And I know, you know, I know they played a lot of hockey and not a lot of practice time and anything else you want to throw out there, that, that's, not, that's not even close to an acceptable effort. Yeah, I mean, they should put a, a, an advertisement on the jersey for, like, Caterpillar Earth Movers at this point for the holes that they're digging for themselves. Yeah, for sure. uh, Bill, uh, why is this an incessant issue? Because, uh, and I talked to Coatsy about this post game. we know this coaching staff is a good coaching staff. It's not like these are a, a bunch of nitwits on the bench just giving them bad information. We know they're giving them the right information. They're preparing them the right ways for these games from a strategic standpoint. Where is the disconnect? Well, I, you know, I, I think that it, it becomes a becomes a snowball effect. You know, you you fall behind early, you give give one up, and then you know those next couple shifts after a goal, whether you scored or the other side scores, because the Flyers getting scored on right after a goal, of course, has been a big problem this year too. But you know, the, the, those next few shifts after a goal for either side are crucial, and so many times this year, you know, another one has ended up in the net very shortly after that. And that becomes a snowball effect, you know, um, you know, like, like uh, when you have the puck, you're trying to skate through too many players. You're, you're throwing low percentage passes that get picked off. And, you know, the, the defensemen uh, are turning a ton of pucks over. I mean, the blue line is the blue line is really struggling, particularly the second and tonight, the third pair, the third pair was, was brutal tonight. So, yeah. you know, but I mean, you know, Sanheim and Myers have been struggling a lot of late um, really, you know, really, uh, you know, Provorov and Braun have actually been, you know, they've been fine for the most part. Braun, I think, has actually played well for some weeks here. But, you know, you need you need, you need a little more stability than that. You know, um, it, it's been it's been a huge issue. And, you know, you, you 
come into it also that you know Carter Hart is not on top of his game and it's been at least kind of at least one per game that he would like to have back going in and it's just uh you know it's it's a whole lot of things right now um you know they they only scored one goal tonight they really I mean the Islanders are a tight checking team and you you figure after you you know after you you get four of them the other game they lose back-to-back games the Islanders are going to buckle down checking wise and then give the Flyers very much so that's some credit to the Islanders there but I mean you know when you're constantly turning pucks over and you're, you know, you're making life on hard on yourselves, hard and hard on your goaltender, um, you know, several, several goals tonight, three of those four goals in the first period were not on hard at all. Didn't really give him a chance to make saves. You know, first one is a kind of a bad bounce. Uh, Lindblom blocked, blocked one, but it went, went, um, you know, right went right to heavily. So the second one, they got outworked in front of their net. The third one started with a terrible giveaway by Prosser, and then that, that was a shot that Carter probably, you know, would like to have back and stop. And the other one, you know, Gustafson loses the battle in the corner, and then he loses his man, you know, and Sezikis is wide open to score again. You know, that's uh, four goals in the first period. Um, but he, even there, you know, you have those little moments, those little opportunities to get back in games where – you know, the Flyers had been making some pushes and they even pulled off a couple of wins, one against Pittsburgh, you know, and one against Buffalo, which is a team that doesn't know how to close out games. But, you know, falling falling behind and being able to rescue the game. But but tonight, okay, so, you know, Oscar Lindblom of all guys drops the gloves. It gives the team a little bit of a spark. Farabee scores less than two minutes after that. Okay, a little bit of momentum to take into the second period, maybe. Um, the Giroux line has a really good shift. They create a power play opportunity and the power play goes nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Yeah. And that's, that's just a momentum killer. Yeah. It's a momentum killer. Uh-huh. And, you know, a- after that, they were playing in the Islanders hands. Even there, they had another power play opportunity later, much later in the second period. And that went nowhere either. But, you know, you have those little, those little windows of opportunity. You've got to, you got to break the door down when those little, you know, when, when uh, you have those little opportunities to, to little crack, you know, the door cracks open a little bit, you got to break it down and they haven't done that. So, Bill, how the heck is Carter Hart supposed to get straightened out when he's got to play behind this? Now, you just mentioned the first period, you know, the, the first goal, the Pajot goal, that, that comes off of the block shot from Lindblom, goes right onto a stick, it's a wide open net. There's nothing he can do there. But part of the problem there, though, is that they're on the penalty kill from a bad offensive zone hook that yeah. TK took. So while you can say, hey, lucky bounce, okay, chalk it up, but you should have never been on the PK. I get it happens in games and you're trying to compete and you're getting on the four check and everything, but when a team's running bad, everything kind of runs together. All the bad runs together. And when a goalie's fighting confidence issues, and even though three of those four goals, he didn't have a prayer in hell on, uh, and he lets the one in, the first Zeke's goal, but he comes out of the period touched up for four. There's just no way to build confidence behind what he's playing behind right now. And I, I, look, he, I, I don't know how he gets out of this, considering what's in front of him right now, unless that changes considerably. And I just, I can't wrap my head around that there's some combination that this coaching staff hasn't tried in practice or a game that's going to fix this team defensively from a defensive standpoint, unless there's an acquisition. No, I, I mean, I think that's been, that's been obvious. For- We've exhausted that, right? Absolutely. And, and listen, you know, we, we've talked so many, so many times about the stabilizing presence, right? Well, look at look at how well that uh, you know because Justin Braun has really played well for weeks. If you move Braun down to you know, I mean, ideally he's a third pair guy, but even if you put him on the second pair with, with Sandheim and maybe he gets going, um, the closest thing they've had to some stability lately has been 
Provorov with uh, with Braun on the top, and they've you know, and I said Braun's been playing well, but Justin Braun is not a top pairing guy ideally. You know, they they need some stability. If you can move Braun down, he can help stabilize one of the you know whether whether he's uh, probably with Sandheim. You know, we want to go left, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you, you get Travis going a little bit. You're able to move Myers to the third pair, and you know maybe a little pre- little less pressure on him. A little, you know, more offensive zone starts, those kind of things. You know, maybe you know maybe you get some guys going in there. But but you, there has to be something from the outside. Um, obviously, you know, Prosser is is uh, He's a third pairing guy at most. Really, he's a you know he's an AHL defenseman who can fill in at the NHL level. I mean that's, that's what he is. Yeah. Um, Gustafson, you know, when he's going well offensively, gives gives you some points. But he's you know he's has his has his share of defensive problems. And, and truthfully, it's the same issues with Shane, Shane Gostisbehere too. Yeah. Um, you know, Ghost has sat a couple of has sat several several games in a row here. Um, if you take it strictly out of context, out of the context of the team, he deserves to sit because he hasn't played well. The, the reason why the Provorov, his pairing with Provorov was broken up because they were hemorrhaging scoring chances on his side of the ice and turnovers. You know, like the game against Pittsburgh, um, he had a couple of really bad turnovers beaten off the rush. And the, the game against the Rangers that the Flyers, you know, ended up winning, Ghost, um, you know, Ghost really had, had some, some rough plays there. So, you know, but by the same token, he has a lot of company. You know, Myers is struggling and Sanheim is struggling. And, you know, the, the third pair, the last two, particularly tonight, was, uh, you know, was it was a really rough night for that pair. So, you know, there, there's not a lot of, not a lot of bullets in the gun when you don't have a lot of guys who are playing very well. And um, it's very hard to turn things around if you only have, you know, you have Provorov and, you know, Braun playing well. But again, Braun's not a top pairing guy. So how do you turn it around? You have to bring in something from the outside. And, you know, I disagree also with people that have, that have said, okay, well, you're just selling at this point. I mean, we've seen not just last year, you know, we saw at times this year too, that this, this team is, you know, should be better talent, talent wise. And this team should be better than, than they've played particularly recently. If you, even if you go back to that 2006, 07 season, one of the things they did well in the disastrous season was that they never stopped trying to improve the team. They got they got rid of guys that had the wrong attitude, and there were some guys who kind of went through the motions there, and you know were needed to be gotten rid of. Uh, they went out, they got Braden Coburn. They went out, they got uh, Marty Biron, who you know a year later um, they, they were able to resign him. It also that also opened the door to signing Briere and the Kimonen the yeah. Kimotimonen trade and Hartnell. But the point being that they never stopped trying to improve that whole season. Um, you know, they ended up with the second pick in the draft just because they, they lost the lottery that year. But I think, I think that you have to take opportunities to improve your team. I mean, the Flyers did not help themselves tonight. Pittsburgh won. So that's two more points. They dropped behind Pittsburgh, Boston, uh, because of the, you know, because of the postponement was idle, but those were two points that were, you know, that they, they didn't get now Boston has a Boston has a game in hand on them. So, you know, they're, they're making life very hard on themselves. Mathematically, it's still a manageable gap. And I think you have, you have to take some steps to improve the team. I don't think you can keep running this lineup out every single night and, and hope it's going to magically change. And, Bill, at this point, you can't wait until the deadline. You can't wait until yeah. April 12th. If you're going to do something, you better do it soon because while the math is, is not in their favor right now, it's going to get more daunting with every game. 
And they, I mean, they have back-to-back games Monday and Tuesday. They still got a lot of games uh, to play here. You know, twenty-seven games left in a very condensed period of time, fifty-some days. Right. Um, so you don't have a lot of time to make a deal. Waiting to the week of the twelfth, you may have just waited your way out of any option. And I think so. I, you know, I, I think that and teams you know, know that. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. And they try to, you know, they try to wring the highest possible cost out. I mean, even if. Even if it's a rental, you know, I mean, if it's not Eckholm, you know, or whatever, it's, it's, you know, a guy whose contract expires the end of this year, just to, this is a stopgap guy. I mean, you need to, you need to do something. You, this cannot go on night after night. You can't, can't give up, you know, and even, you know, the, in the month of March, the Flyers have given up at least three goals in every game, but there haven't even many with three. You know, every night it seems like they need five, six, seven goals to win. And that's, that's no model for winning. Yeah, and they haven't won back-to-back games in the month. I mean, the last time they won back-to-back games, it was the Buffalo Sabres on the 27th and 28th, those 3 nothing shutouts in Buffalo. They haven't won back-to-back games in a month where they're playing every other day, sometimes three and four. It's stunning. Yeah, and uh, I mean, some you know some of these have been winnable games that they, they found ways to lose, but I mean, that's a lot of these they, they just dug themselves too deep of a hole to get out of, and it's happening – way too often. I mean, they haven't deserved to win back-to-back games. They were they were lucky to be able to come back against Pittsburgh. They were lucky to be able to come back against Buffalo and win that one in the shootout. So, you know, I mean, they, they only have the, you know, during, during that stretch there, you know, a couple of regulation wins. They have the, you know, they have the one big comeback win and they had the uh, one against the Islanders the other night. And, and even in that one, you know, they, they were unable to protect the 3 nothing lead. So it's, you know, I mean, it's just uh, – you know, I, I think that it is very, very clear that they have to do something and do it in a hurry. And sometimes you have to part with a little bit more than you want to. And you figure out, you know, you figure out as you go along. Yeah. Um, there's two types of trades, Bill. Last thing for you, because I know you got a writing deadline as well. There's two types of trades in this scenario. There's the trade to acquire and fill a need, like, like an Ekholm type deal, where you're trying to get a top pairing defenseman because it really fills that need. There's also the trade that fills a need, but also really shakes the foundation of the core. Which one of those is in order or both? I would say right now it's fill a need. If the team doesn't respond, if you fall short and miss the playoffs, which is to me an unacceptable outcome. Well, I'll play devil's advocate real quick. Okay. Because people will say, we've seen this core, the general core for a long time. And these are not new issues. These are issues that we've seen before through sure. several coaching staffs and a couple of GMs at this point. Is there something more substantial that needs to be made to really, I mean, a, you know, a core player being traded? And that's not an easy deal right now in an expansion year and a flat cap and quarantine issues for seven of the NHL, all that. But if that were to happen, would that be more in order of what, could shake this team loose. Well, again, I, I think that that's more of an off season. I thing. agree. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, okay. If you try to shake it up just for the shake, the, the, you know, for the sake of shaking it up. Okay. Well, who do you move in where and, and how do you, how do you replace that player? You know, what they, what they do bring. Let's yeah. let's say Jake. Yeah, what do you, it's a question of what do you want to accomplish? If you really want to accomplish it and accomplish it properly, it's got to be an off-season move post-expansion draft. I agree. No, I agree because you know you have to you know, see what player you lose there, and and you know the, the off-season is the time to make 
made you know to make multiple moves if you're going to i don't i don't think you know I, first of all you were just talking about the practical aspects of it with the cap and you know who's who's even able to make such deals i i, I think that you know i think you try to fill needs now squeak into the playoffs if you can because it's an uphill climb and the time's already running short and uh you address you know you address bigger picture in the off season because yes we have we have seen you know we have seen this this uh kind of thing happen you know with way too much frequency that's hard to dispute yeah and the the other part too is you know general managers and in off season are going to have a little bit more certainty on revenues with the new tv deal and you know where we are in the pandemic if buildings are going to be full they'll have a lot more information to be able to to make those decisions and and make those kind of could be franchise altering type deals like you mentioned like the the hartnell team and deal the Marty Biron, which led to Danny Briere, those deals charted a course. I don't want to make deals just to make a deal because it's different. I want to make a deal that makes it difference in a, a difference in a positive way going forward. Yeah, completely agree. Okay. All right. Well, we are on the same page because we usually are because, you know what, we know what the hell we're talking about. <clears throat> That's what we tell ourselves. <laughs> Bill, I, I know you got deadline. We'll be reading you on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll be back tomorrow with another brand-new episode. I'm going to lift you up tomorrow. Caleb Dahlgren, who is on the Humboldt Broncos bus, has written a book about his resilience and his experience. I'll have a conversation with uh, Caleb on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily. In the meantime, everybody, try and enjoy your Sunday. Flyers back at it tomorrow against the New York Islanders. And we'll be back with a brand new episode of Flyers Dead. Last night a little dancer came dancing to my door. Last night a little angel came pumping on the floor.